Welcome to Crossing Broadcast. I am your host, Kyle Pagan. And before we bring on Kevin and Bob, I wanted to give a little eulogy of my own for the Phillies because I know people are disappointed. And I know because it was World Series of Busts, and that's okay. And you get to close out the mountaintop that you wanted to finish because you might never get there again. Uh, but um, I'm really proud of this team, and, and this was an awesome ride. And, and I think it's a ride we didn't see coming just a month ago. I mean, the Phillies took over in Eagles Town while the team was undefeated. We were talking on here about you know, why couldn't they fill the stadium a month ago. And then there was 46,000 people there making it shake the whole playoffs. You know, season tickets are up 15% right now. Profits for bars around the city are up 40% this month coming out of a pandemic. A city ravaged, you know, typically by crime had some of its lowest days when the Phillies would win. You know, you couldn't walk down the street without someone really having, you know, something that represented the Phillies on. It was a really cool energy in this city for a month, month and a half. And then you get to the team and, and you've got, you know, a guy who never managed once in 30 years, become one of the best in the game. Right before your eyes, Bryce Harper had more playoff moments, you know, one postseason than some MVPs have in their career. And Schwarber hits 50 home runs. Alec Bohm fucking loves this place now. Bryson Stott took at bats that we haven't seen a middle infielder take since Chase Utley. And JT cemented himself as the best catcher in baseball. And, you know, Cassianos didn't produce, but, you know, you could argue that some of his defensive plays that he made, you know, we wouldn't be here without him. Wheeler shoved until that arm couldn't anymore. Uh, Aaron Nola, I mean, even had some moments on the hill early in the postseason that you'll remember in the belt in the bullpen, you know, for held up for the most part. Um, and then you had that billionaire owner who wants to win, and that always doesn't happen, you know, in sports. And he saw it all firsthand. He's shaking people's hands in the 400 level and letting fans use his suite even before this magical ride happened. And you know, like I said, people are always going to feel that you know every season you don't win the World Series a failure. And that's okay. And a lot of times you never make it back. But, um, you know, this team has a core in my mind. It might have a core for only two to three years, but it has a core, something we haven't seen in the last 11 years. You know, it has Harper, Schwarbs, Wheeler, JT. It's got young guys like Bryson Stott and Brandon Marsh. And it's got Painter, McGarry, and Abel. You know, hopefully that will be up next year. And, you know, with John Milton's willingness to spend, there's, there's a blueprint. There's something to build off of. And, you know, that's when... I'm at the stadium next year, and I think if you look up at the navy blue flag in 2022 and it's waving in the breeze, I'll remember the good times like Game 3 of the World Series with five home runs and even the bad ones when I was there on a Sunday and they lost to the Pirates and I, I walked home from the stadium. You know, I think we just you, you should remember it all because this energy around the city, you know, it doesn't come often, and uh, and I think we should we should really appreciate that more. So let's bring in Bob and Kevin right now. Um, as I eulogize the Phillies. Wow. Well, Bob, obviously don't get any claps from Bob, you know, not even a, not even snaps or anything or I was uh I was waiting for you to like, you know stop become, become unserious. I thought you were just gonna be like, ah no, I'm just kidding, they lost. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, waiting for the catch. It's football season, fellas. Uh, how then, I, then I realized that I realized you were being sincere. I didn't know you had that. I didn't know you had that gear in you. So listen, Bob. It's not just all dick jokes and watching guys eat forty chickens at uh, abandoned pier behind Walmart. Okay, there's some serious behind this this onion over here. Fair you just got to peel back the layers. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I was not ready for that. Um, 
Well, now that we've said that, we can get it back to Temple basketball. <laughs> no, 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 no. We will not be talking about Temple basketball on this program. The fact that we even wrote a blog about Temple basketball, the fact that Kevin stole my valor and wrote a Temple blog, that I now get the next West Virginia blog that uh, makes any sense to go on the website, okay? The next shitty guy that they draft out of, like, the fifth round who ends up not doing anything for the Eagles at all, you know? <laughs> the next Wendell Smallwood. Although he had a touchdown during the Super Bowl year, I think. So. That is true. They also have Rashul Douglas, baby. Who can forget that? Yeah. Um, can you guys name another Philly team You know that fell short in your lifetime that the 2022 Phillies compared to? Whoever wants to go first. No. I mean, there haven't been many teams. I mean, there haven't been many teams to even get that far here since in my lifetime. I mean, obviously, everyone's going to point to 1993. But that team was obviously a little bit different because the the – level of play was so high from the start and it kind of came out of nowhere, but it came out of nowhere in April. This team, it came out of nowhere is basically, and they had to have things go their way. Like they needed a DH, they needed the expanded playoff. They were decent, but they weren't, there was no expectation going into that postseason, And so they really didn't elevate until the very end. So I think it's a lot different than, than, than really any other team, really unique team. But I agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, I think that obviously disappointment stings, but when you step back, and I know this has been said a million times over the last few days, but I don't think there's any way you could objectively look at this season and, and not say it was an overwhelming success and a team that you could be proud of in this city. I think when you go back and you look at, you know, like the payroll that they had, the moves that they made in the, the offseason, like I think we all probably agree if you went back and you did receipts or whatever, you would probably say that you expected them to get to the playoffs or that was going to be the indicator of a good season. You know, because people are like, people keep moving the goalposts back and forth here. It's like, well, they got into the playoffs. We didn't expect them to do anything in the playoffs, but we did expect them to get there, right? So it's like, there was the preseason thing. Then Girardi was fired. You moved the goalposts back. Rob Thompson hasn't played. Well. You moved the goalposts forward again. Like, if you go back to the very beginning of it, I, I keep reading these takes because, like, my thought was like, I think they were playing with house money and they were on a Cinderella run and whatever. And other people were like, I don't feel that way because they had a huge payroll and like they really went for it in the offseason. So it's so it is legit to to feel like there was a missed opportunity, you know? I think you have to feel like you can feel both, right? Like you had a two to one series lead with two more games at home. Like you had momentum for whatever momentum's worth. Yeah, yeah. Listen, Houston was a better team. They were the better team from the start. We knew it, but the Phillies made it interesting. They just couldn't finish it. Uh, but I think you have to feel that way. I mean, you look at the odds going into next season to win the World Series, and there's three teams in the NL ahead of the Phillies right now. I think that there's six or seven teams across baseball that have better odds. I mean, will the Phillies, even if they improve their roster this year, be in this position again next year? I mean, chances are they probably won't be. So anytime you get to the World Series, anytime you steal home field advantage and come within two wins of taking it all home – I mean, listen, if you feel like there was a missed opportunity and you feel a little deflated right now, that's that's understandable. What if, I, what if I compared it to the 04 Eagles team? Kind of, you know, obviously they were there at the, at the NFC Championship for three game, three years prior and stuff, but, you know, they're going against this uh, this team that has, you know, a history of cheating in a way, uh, a, a team that's uh, making a dynasty run. Kevin mentioned the offseason acquisitions and stuff, getting T.O. and all that guys that contributed. Um. I don't know. I think 04 would probably be the one that that I really because I mean after and then you look at 04 after that they didn't go to the NFC Championship again. So I think 08 against the Cardinals. Yeah, they went to the championship game in 08, um, and then obviously don't get back again until until 17 into the Super Bowl. 
And I think that that's the one thing that if you're a fan, it's hard to get past that. You know, obviously the Phillies have some some nice young pieces. You mentioned some of them. You feel pretty good about it. But, I mean, it's hard to get that far. It's hard to get on the doorstep. And you just don't know when you're going to get back. I mean, you look at 2011 with the Phillies. That was the last shot in that, that run that they had. And I remember Ryan Howard kind of falling over down the first baseline. And I wasn't so upset that the 2011 Phillies didn't win the you know World Series that year or make the World Series. My thought was like, you never know. Like, you never know. Will they get back? And certainly I didn't think it was going to take 11 more years. But when you get this far, you you know, you got to cash. And they had opportunities too. And if you're upset at Rob Thompson right now, that's cool. It makes sense. Those uh, Eagles teams of like 15 years ago, they're hard to make comparisons to because, because they had such high expectations that entire era, you know, for all the shortcomings that they had. Like, people don't look at those Eagles teams that, kind of came up short and compare them to like uh, the 2001 Sixers. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if the Phillies are close. The 2022 Phillies are closer to the 04 Eagles or the 2001 Sixers. But like you, you think about how much people talk about that team and love that team because they just kind of represent the, the whole Philly underdog thing. You know, it's like they got, they ran into prime Kobe and Shaq, you know, like you make a case that like this Astros team, is prime Kobe and Shaq the way that they played in the postseason before the World Series, you know? So I, I don't – if you went into it with the expectation that they weren't going to win the series anyway, you can go back and do the 2001 Sixers thing if you wanted to make that comparison, you know, for sure. But, you know, again, I can look back at it, and then I'm like, well, I didn't expect them to beat the Braves either in the NLDS, so so why not, you know? So so to me, like, the over the overriding thing is, like, it's not it's not, it's not that they lost, it's how they lost. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's going up two to one. It's hitting five home runs. It's, it's getting a combined no hitter from a bunch of douchebags. You know, it's like that. It's that kind of thing, you know, and then not being able to put any contact on the ball before that. You know, it's like that. That's the thing that bugs me more than anything. It's, yeah, it's game not five. Big, game yeah. five is always going to be the game. You know, yeah. you have an opportunity yeah. to tie the game late. You get a strikeout from Brandon Marsh. You have the real Muto play with Chaz McCormick in center field. People are going to talk about that play for the next 50 years. And then, you know, you have an opportunity. Kyle Swerver puts you on the board. You have your ace going. He's pitching probably the best he's thrown all year. And you go to Jose Alvarado, and 498 feet later, you felt like you lost the World Series in that moment. So, you know, yeah, it's absolutely about how it went down, not necessarily that the Astros won in six games, which, by the way, like, I'm not exactly like the best at, at calling these series, but it's exactly what I had going in, Astros in six. I mean, Phillies gave them a fight, but they weren't the better team. The, the key question now, and I, I think everyone's already right there. I said it yesterday. I haven't seen this much attention placed on Philly's uh, uh, offseason in a long time. Now, last year was unique because you had the lockout and everything was like a, a sprint right before the start of the season. And the Bryce Harper chase was unique and really interesting and, and the city was in. But just in terms of just the whole thing from the start, people are talking about opt-outs, who's in, who's out, mm -hmm. what are they going to do? Now, I think the one thing that you can yeah. take solace in if you're uh, a Phillies fan is know that this this front office knows it has work to do. Like it knows it's behind the Mets and Braves going into next season. Like they're not going to say, "Oh, well, we were two wins away. Let's just run it back." Like they know that they have to get better, and I expect them to. The one thing I like always about the the owners in this city, and I think, well, three three fourths of them, Comcast is just some big conglomerate, um, is that like. 
you always brought this up, Bob, when John Middleton was in Jeffrey Lurie's box during the uh, playoff run and stuff. Like, you know, these guys want to win. Like, these guys like each other, I want to say. I know Middleton and, and Lurie are friends. I don't know really much about uh, Josh Harris and Middleton's relationship, but like, these dudes are billionaires. They're egomaniacs. They want to own this city. And I think that's really awesome with like John Middleton's shaking hands with people in the 400 level. He's giving people his box and stuff all before this magical run when we didn't even know if they were going to make it to the playoffs. I really think John Middleton getting a taste of this of the city becoming Phillies fans during an undefeated Eagles season is going to be big. And that's what I want to ask you about. Like, you know, the shortstop market is, is, is huge right now. It's, it's, it's Bogarts, it's Trey Turner, it's Dansby Swanson, and it's Carlos Correa. Do you think they go, you know, towards the higher tier shortstops, obviously Bryce Harper and Trey Turner had their relationship, or would you be, would you be okay with them targeting maybe like a, a Bogarts and Swanson on like a, a 20, $25 million a year? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the the pipe dream, the pie in the sky is is Trey Turner, right? And, you know, Bryce Harper, he's my favorite player. All that stuff's been reported. I just don't know that I can get to a space in my head where I say they're going to give out a, a nine-year contract or, you know, $270, 300000000 million. I just don't know that they're going to go that far in on a guy. Trey Turner is obviously the, the most complete player. He solves your leadoff issues. Uh, he's an upgrade defensively. I, I kind of feel like they're going to fall into, and I don't even want to call it the second tier. Like Xander Bogart's a good player. I, I do kind of feel like that that's where it's going to end up. The, the good news for the Phillies is that there are options. You know, this is a really unique year. It's not like it's Trey Turner and nobody else. And that does give you a little bit of leverage, you know, having some of that depth in the free agency class at the, you know, at that position or guys that you can kind of flip around in your infield gives you a little bit of flexibility. As far as Gene Segura opting out, like, or I'm sorry, the Phillies declining the option on Gene Segura, that was always going to happen. There was no shot on earth. They were going to pay him $17 million next year. I think you kind of keep your eye on him and just see how the market bears out. But at this point, I expect Gene Segura to be gone, and I expect one of those free agent additions to to come in. I, I think they're going to do something there for sure. What about um, – were you surprised with Eflin's injury history that he would decline his side of the, the mutual? I actually – because of Eflin's injury history, I think it makes more sense to decline his side of that, that mutual option. And the reason being is he's not going to get $15 million a year. But do you cut off some of that immediate upside for multi-year security? And there's probably a team that looks at Zach Eflin and will say, hey, we'll do two years, 22 million, three years, 26, 27 million. And what you've effectively done is you've, you've taken away that upside. But if I'm Zach Eflin and I know that I can lock myself into another guaranteed 10 to $15 million beyond what that one year deal would do for me, I think I have to do it because of the health problems I've had at, at such a relative, relatively young age. I want to ask you if, if say they get Trey Turner, say they don't get Trey Turner, say they get a number two hitter that we like really enjoy and we like, and you know, we can use in a, in a world series. Would you be comfortable? And I think I could be talked into this bringing Reese Hoskins back, staying on this team and having him like, like if Reese Hoskins was batting seventh in the world series, are the takes as nuts? Probably not. So, no, like, could I, you – like, I need Reese to take 100 grounders a day and 100 picks from uh, from first base a day, and you could talk me into having him in the seventh spot if they bring in a, a legit number two hitter in. Yeah, the thing I keep thinking about with Reese Hoskins, like, they're, he's the guy that everybody's fixated on. He's got to go. They can't run this back with him. And I get it. I mean, Reese Hoskins is, is, has certainly had a number of postseason moments that were impactful and important for this team, but, you know, the slump. The slumps are the slumps. 
Uh, the defense is the defense, and that is what he is at this point in his career. That being said, you're going to bring him back. It'll probably be around 12 to $13 million next season. He's a free agent after 2023. If you're going to move on from Reese Hoskins and the production and the stat line that he brings – what are you getting in return and how are you upgrading moving forward? You know, people are talking about Anthony Rizzo. Well, that's not going to be cheap. And in some ways though, he's a superior, probably a better rounded player than Reese Hoskins. There are certain things that Reese Hoskins does better than, than Anthony Rizzo uh, from an offensive standpoint. I, I would prefer to have Rizzo between the two, but like you're not getting them for 13 a year, you know, and you're not going to have the flexibility at that point. If you were to, you know, get a deal done with a player like that, Anthony Rizzo probably ends up back with the Yankees anyway. You know, he opts out, but I think the hope on, on both sides there is that they get something done. So then you come back to just what are you getting for him? Are you getting a, a eighth inning guy, a setup guy? Are you getting a fifth starter? Like what's the value that you're getting back for Reese Hoskins? Because you know how it goes in, in for fans. Oh, I want to trade the player that I don't really like that much, and I want to get something back really awesome for him. It's not going to happen. The salary is decent, but there's no long-term – commitment beyond next year so you're not going to net a significant return via trade you know what's funny is that uh you know i was talking to our esny guys before this and um you know a lot of stuff that they're having success with on the site now is like baseball hot stove talk you know what are the yankees going to do what are the mets going to do here's 10 blah 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 here's a listicle for this or there outside of bryce harper like when is the last time that anybody gave a half a fuck about philly's hot stove I mean, the, this hot stove has been like icy cold for the outside of the Bryce Harper thing for the last 10 years. Like if we did anything on the site that was, hey, maybe the Phillies should go after this guy, go after this guy. It was just like, uh, you know, but like here remember, we are three days later talking about this kind of stuff already. You know, I remember Jose Alvarado uh, is signed by the Phillies. It's either the first or one of the very first moves made by yeah. by Dave Dombrowski. Right. Mm. And like. Actually, I guess was he? Did he come in in twenty? Was he here in twenty? So was that before? Did he that was yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I remember though doing the story about Alvarado, and I was like, "Hey, he throws really hard. He's really <laughs> wild. Um, that's the book yeah. on him." Here's a tweet, and yeah. like everyone's like, "Who gives a shit?" You know? Yeah, no, like, like nobody talked about it. Nobody read it. Nobody I just it. pitched awesome in the World Series, and they're like, "Yeah." Yeah. See, it's the Bryce Harper thing. World Series, but yeah, yeah. The Bryce Harper thing was more of like a like a high level referendum on like whether the Phillies would give a shit or it was like a referendum on John Middleton. You know, it's like, well, they had to land Machado or Harper, right? And and then after that, it was like, oh, okay, well, we got him. Now they're they're serious about being a baseball team. Oh, but yeah, now you have to fill out the rest of a team too. So it's crazy how that took on a life of its own. It was only it's it's like its own separate thing. Whereas like your typical hot stove stuff that works in other markets, man, people just did not care about that, but they're going to care about it now. I was right about uh, Alvarado. 21 was his first year. It was Dave Dombrowski's first move. So. Okay. All right. So last year was big for me just because like when Cassiano signed, my buddy texted me, said, Hey, go get the ticket plan. That's when we decided to get Sunday tickets. When, when they actually went over the luxury tax, we're like, you know what? They did it for us. We'll do it for them. Bob, before we let you, uh, before we let you go, I, I do want to ask you, um, how would you build this team around the new rules in 2023? No shift pitch timer limits on pickoffs and everything. Are you looking for guys more contact and stuff or you think you're, you know, run it back with more power hitters? And I, I'm kind of, it's a great question. I'm kind of curious to see what they do. I mean, like they have, they have guys that profile the same, the same way. There's a lot of boom or bust in this lineup. There's a lot of fly ball, heavy power, heavy guys. 
So, I mean, I think that in an ideal world, the compliment is, is to bring in a guy that, that it's a little bit more contact oriented. I'm not saying that he has to be a guy that chokes up four inches on the bat and slaps the ball through the hole. Like uh, he doesn't have to be, you know, Placido Polanco, but I, I think like, you would like a guy that has a little bit of a higher contact rate that can put the ball in play a little bit more consistently. I, I wonder as the rules shift here now, if there's going to be uh, a slant and emphasis on certain, on certain attributes and players. I mean, it's a really curious thing to think about, but that's the one thing when you look at Reese Hoskins, I say when you did that Castellanos deal, it felt like that that deal was to replace the offensive profile of Reese Hoskins, you know, a right-handed power bat, extra base hit guy. Now, I don't know if Nick Castellanos is going to be that next year. One can only hope, I guess. But I just felt like that the Castellanos deal sort of took Hoskins out of the long-term mix for this team. It's It just feels like an imperfect fit right now. The Phillies have a lot to figure out, and I think what they want to do, rather than just say, we're going to accomplish these three things, I think that they're coming in saying, we're going to be aggressive and we're going to try to make ourselves better. What exactly is that going to look at? or look like it's probably going to be dictated and predicated upon availability. Where's their opportunity? Like they didn't come into last off season saying we're going to do Schwarber and Castellanos. That situation presented itself and that's the direction they decided to go. I would imagine there's going to be a little bit of an emphasis on pitching though. Nobody's talking about pitching right now. They, they played game five of the world series with Noah Syndergaard in a bullpen game. You got to make this rotation better. Look, Carlos Rodon. I, I love him. That's the guy I wanted at the deadline. I was disappointed that they, you know, Noah Syndergaard worked out to an extent, nothing against Noah Syndergaard, but that was the guy that I, I wanted at the deadline. And I know the Giants didn't trade him. Uh, maybe they were asking something that was just absurd. So I'm not saying it's the Phillies' fault that they didn't get him, but I think that that would have made, you know, that would have been a difference-making move. And it, had he pitched to his capabilities throughout the postseason and in the playoffs, they they might have won the World Series with, with that type of arm in that series. All right. Before we let you go, who'd you vote for today? <laughs> Actually, uh, I'm not going to vote, to be honest with you. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Bob. Appreciate it. Pagan, who did you vote for? Who did I vote for? I voted for Wayne Brady on Dancing with the Stars yesterday. He had a great, he had a great, uh, I, I forget what it was. It wasn't the Fox Trot. It was the Samba. I don't know. It was like 90s music day. My girlfriend was watching. I wanted to be a part of it. I was working on the show and everything. Just having a time of my life. Yeah, um, yeah. Wayne's uh, good. Wayne might Wayne or Charlie D'Amelio, and I don't know if you know who that is, but mm. Wayne or Charlie D'Amelio might might win it all. No, I. I uh, do you think that Election Day should be a national holiday? I do. I. I think. I think Election Day. We should all be. We should all vote, and then we should all just get blasted at a bar, and and no one's allowed to talk politics. And you celebrate. You yeah. celebrate the end of the political ads on yes. Monday Night Football. I I really liked your I really liked your article. I was reading it before we came on about opinion. All yeah. political commercials should not. Oh, let me get this right. All political commercials should be banned from sports broadcasts. I I 100 percent agree with that. I, yeah. I I was trying to find it so so uh, Craig could pull it up. But um, them uh, there was one ad. Uh, where it was like a very it was pro Dr. Oz ad anti obviously John Fetterman. And then the next ad that came on was that one that goes, Dr. Oz is a piece of shit. <laughs> I mean, but that's like that's the epitome of of those political ads. Like Yeah. Yeah. You back had to back, back to back. Fetterman's a piece of shit and Oz is the greatest thing ever. Then the next one. Oz is a piece of shit and Fetterman's the greatest thing ever. It's paid for by blah blah blah. And then your citizens of sanity one to really round out the top three. I mean, those guys had those three political ads had a better had a better World Series than the uh, 
Then the uh, Phillies won two, three. Yeah, it's funny because people were pointing out, and this is very true, that they work on sports because sports is like one of the few like live things mm-hmm. that people actually still watch, and they're going to have the commercials up there for you know. And I get it, but it's just there's it's not even that they're political ads, man. You know, is that they're so negative? Is that they're so like like. Um, pessimistic man they yeah. just bring you down if it was like you know no, nobody here's the thing pagan like nobody ever tells you why you should vote for them they just tell you why not to vote for the mm-hmm. other guy you know so it's like geno smith throws a touchdown we'll be back after the break john fetterman is a royal piece of shit yeah, he leached but- off his parents for years and he hasn't he's not a working class pennsylvanian sponsored by democrat sponsored by republicans for pennsylvania and then the very next ad comes on it's like Dr. Oz doesn't know how to pronounce vegetable tray and he's from New Jersey and he loves the Turkish uh, authoritarian leader Erdogan. No, it's true. I mean, holy fuck. I just worked. I just put in a good shift at crossing broad. I put the kids down. I'm just trying to watch this Seahawks here, man. You know, I'm not I'm not like looking for this right now. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's the thing. Jordan Alvarez hits a fucking 500 foot yeah. bomb to, over the uh, batter's eye. And then all of a sudden, Dr. Oz ad comes on where he just kills puppies. And it's like, I'm yeah. already sad. Now I'm fucking depressed. Yeah, what are we doing here? No, it Dr. Oz, Dr. Oz kills puppies. And by the way, John Fetterman uh, had a stroke. He's unfit. To yeah. Lead yeah do you, do you like a guy? Hey, here you go, Pennsylvania. Vote for the guy who kills puppies or vote for the guy who might or may not be a vegetable. There you go. There's your two senators. Yeah. EJM says there's tons of evidence that positive ads don't work as well as negative ones. Well, I guess we're all pieces of shit then. That makes me very, uh, you know, very sad to hear that. I'm just looking for bipartisan. Pagan, what I'm looking for is I'm looking for politicians to reach across the aisle to mm-hmm. work together i'm looking for bipartisanship i'm looking for positivity and pragmatism you know i'm looking for people to represent the commonwealth of pennsylvania i'm not looking for negative attack attack ads you know and the common man well i'm i am the i think i'm the common man i think you're the common man too even though you're not registered to vote i think you're the common man as yeah. well <laughs> i'm not out last night at 11:30 uh, at night so i guess i'm not voting either don't want to be part of voter fraud even though i probably could be um, you can probably still get in even if you're not registered just I like vote in three different districts in this damn city what are you talking yeah. about <laughs> they have no clue where you're registered to vote you know, i'm sure there's a box sitting out somewhere you can just drop a piece of paper in and there's one <laughs> vote there you know it's, yeah you know you know who you know who would have my vote the chicken yeah. man the rotisserie chicken guy. The chicken man would have yeah. my vote. And yeah. because that is a man with a platform, not for profit, yeah. not for greed, yeah. not for wins, not for losses. That's just a man who wants to eat chicken and started a movement by posting one flyer on a pole. Someone saw it. It went viral. And then, you know what? We went to an abandoned pier behind a Walmart yeah. and we watched a man eat his 40th chicken. I did not expect that to go as viral as it did. I thought it would be a nice little Philly viral moment. That had a mind of its own it took off did you see some of the pictures from down there there had to be yeah. 300 people down there i liked how people were saying like you know after the phillies and the union we just needed a win man yeah. we just needed something to celebrate we just needed something good i had people texting me from like out of state saying they saw that thing and they thought it was the greatest thing ever but i have i here's my question we, we didn't get a reason why this was taking place did we is that the best part about it? there was no explanation for why why it's happening there wasn't. It was it was just like, hey, I'm eating 40 chickens. Uh, I'm eating a chicken a day for 40 consecutive days. And yeah. it just so happens on November 6th will be my 40th day. Okay. Come to the abandoned pier behind the Walmart and watch me finish it. 
and it just so happened that it 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 led up to Philadelphia losing two championships and becoming the first city to ever do that uh, the day before. So yeah, yeah, I really do think people needed some. Now it was uh, it was all walks of life. Well, all walks of of white people life. I would say if yeah. I had to uh, if I had to describe it, it, it probably looked like a, a protest outside of a Starbucks. Oh, for, okay. uh, for very for them, hipster, like a very yeah, hipster. for them to unionize. A lot of different colored hair. Uh, a lot of different Kodak cameras. I saw a guy with a, uh, yeah. uh, what's the, I'm, I might be too young for this, but what's the, the, not the disposable camera, but the one you put by your eye. Like uh, a monocle? You, no, like you, that your dad used to like film your kindergarten graduation with and stuff. Oh, like a, oh man. man I, don't even know what those, I don't know what the technical term for that is called, actually. Was he going to barf there? Did he look like he was going Craig, Craig said camcorder. So this, oh, camcorder. this guy was really, really good. Like definitely has um, – he definitely has a a past of of the arts, maybe theater, maybe dance. I don't know. Yeah. But a wonderful, wonderful fucking showman. I don't know if he was ever really uh, in the process of barfing. I think he might have barfed once, but I didn't get it on camera. But, yeah. I mean, just an absolute showman from the caution tape to the red carpet to the table yeah. and then pulling pulling the caution tape away and letting everyone surround him pulling out the beats pill or the or the bluetooth speaker and playing streets of philadelphia by bruce springsteen yeah. um that um and then just finishing it off and everybody going absolutely nuts i mean this guy was an absolute showman i mean he did it from 12 to 1 i was ready to go around 30 minutes yeah um but uh but i'm glad i stayed yeah, I mean, I I find the thing very fascinating. I I guess it was just a, a feat of uh, of human achievement. You know, they're really. I guess there doesn't have to be a reason for everything. You know, I think it's perfect Philly. I think that's that's kind of what Philly's all about. I could see this being done in New York as well, but it would be probably more of a of a douchebag like entertainer. Like, remember when Pizza Rat was like a big thing, and, and yeah. that guy did the whole Pizza Rat down the subway, and people were like, he did like a life imitates art kind of a Pizza Rat thing, and people had to like literally scale the stairs to get away from because there's this yeah. life size six foot rat pulling a pulling a four foot pizza around. Yeah. Um, is there anything you think you could do for forty days straight? Like, eat anything for forty days straight? Oh hell yeah, yeah! I could eat the uh, the Tostitos uh, cheesy enchilada dip. I could eat. What that is what is this? I, I've I seen you already talk about it twice on the timeline. What is this cheesy enchilada? It's dip? just really good, man. It's like it's kind of like the salsa with the queso, but it's got like black beans in it. Mm. So you like throw it in the microwave, you heat it up for like thirty seconds, forty five seconds, or whatever. And I just can't stop eating it, man. I think I'm gonna turn into a cheesy enchilada dip if i eat any more of it you know they say that you are what you eat so your your insides are probably out of like just yeah maybe that's water. why my st- yeah my stomach's been off these last couple of days maybe that's what it is actually now that i think <laughs> you're about you're eating it, you know? 50 tostitos and, and and 17 ounces of of cheetos enchilada yeah. dip yeah well it's funny too because when you scoop it out of the thing and you put it into the cup like it's very uh uh sticky i don't know what the word is for that it's like it's like a colloid you know, it's, it kind of just hovers there. You know, it's like very gelatinous, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, if that's what it looks like on the spoon, then what does it look like in my guts? You oh. know? So it's, it's like when the, it's like when we were doing the whole hot dog thing with with the center, uh, with whatever Bob Casey, yeah. there was um, there was hot dog goo that spilled oh. out on like I-76 or something yeah. like that or 78 yeah. or 80 or whatever it was. The pink it was, 
the yeah. grossest thing ever. And it was I, I thought at the time it was probably John Middleton who who hired somebody to run that truck off the road because he didn't want to yeah. put he didn't want to announce another dollar dog night. Yeah, he was right. It was. Yeah, it was a uh, they were trying to scup scupper the plans is what they're trying to do. Hey, what did. Um, so what was with the dude getting arrested at the Astros parade for I watched the video of him throwing the beer and like I thought white he claw. Was, white claw. A white claw. I'm sorry. No fake news. A on white this claw to Ted Cruz. I thought he was just like throwing it to him, like, hey, drink this. Or was he <laughs> chucking was he chucking it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That guy had higher velocity than Zach Wheeler did by by game four, game five. It just looked like it was that right. hard, hard to me, you know. That guy did not have arm fatigue. I'll tell you that. So that was a white claw. Yeah. Ready for the I mean, did, so I was actually looking this up. Tom Wolf was at the parade for the Eagles. Yeah. But I didn't I could not find a picture of him on a float. Why are we having politicians? And I know why we're doing it, because they probably grease the palms for Minute Maid Park and stuff. They probably yeah. give them tax breaks and all that shit. So you got to give you know, you got to give a handshake deal back to the guy. Let him ride in a Humvee through yeah. the parade and stuff. But like, why? Like once this goes back to your to your thoughts about all political commercials should be banned from sports broadcasts. We don't need the mayor. We don't need the governor. We don't need senators. We don't need uh, Mary Quinones Sanchez from the Kensington district yeah. to to be on a float. This yeah. is sports. Let's honor the Houston Astros. Let's honor the the front office. Why is the governor of Texas on a fucking Humvee getting booed to oblivion yeah. for two miles down the road? Like, who thought that was good? S- Senator, yeah. Why is this Senator? Senator? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Same thing. They're all they're all douchebags. The um, yeah. See, like that's what I'm saying, Doug. I don't think this comes in too fast. Like, you got to remember, he's like he's in the crowd, right? It's not because you know, normally what you would do if I was tossing you a beer like that, I'd give you an underhand toss. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I'd be leaning over the fence or something. I'd put like an arc, nice arc on it to try to give you give you some time to like read and react to it. But you got to get it to the senator, you know. So he kind he tosses it overhand. I think. I, I don't know, man. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't think it holds up in a court of law. I think this guy's gonna escape. You know, I was just trying to get the senator a white claw. You know, I wanted to celebrate the World Series go Strohs. Listen, if if he yeah. catches that, pops it, chugs the shit out of it. Yeah, dude, that you you win some people back in the state. Oh yeah, at least There's I mean no that'd be the most popular thing Ted Cruz has done in a long time, right? Of course he's on a military vehicle too. Go the home thing is the funniest thing about it. That like what is is Ted is Ted Cruz going into war and out in the in the Middle East right now, yeah, or is he going yeah. down Houston, a back road of Houston, in on a parade route? Well, yeah, I mean, imagine if like the right when the Phillies won it in 08, would they put Pat Toomey on the fucking float? You know, that's or who thing. was like, even I'm trying was to it... find like Governor Tom Wolf like waving to people, and I can't find anything online about it. And I was looking for like at least 15 minutes. Um, let, me, let me actually look it up because I think it was Santorum back then. Would you have get, put Rick Santorum on a like a military vehicle and put him down like uh, Broad Street or whatever? You know, I mean, the only guy who would who like Kenny would get booed. Like, like, yeah. I don't think Mayor Kenny would go on a. If the Phillies would have won, I don't think we see Mayor Kenny on a, on a float. I think Mayor Kenny is waiting at uh at at the museum for uh. So this is actually in this one yeah. we just pulled up. This is Zach Ertz saving Trey Burton's life, right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. I think it would have been if I have it right. I can't read this Wikipedia page because I'm an idiot apparently. But I think in 2008. The senators were Arlen Specter and uh, 
Rick Santorum. Would we have put Arlen Specter on the Phillies float? Was he on the Phillies parade? No, I mean Nutter was in Phillies 08 parade. That's cool, yeah. but his but he was like I don't know. He he actually had like favorability yeah. around yeah. him. Yeah. Um, Would they put Krasner on the float? If the- <laughs> <laughs> I do a float. We'll do one float for the the here here. This is what it would be. It would be a combined Union and Phillies parade, and there would be one float for Krasner, Kenny, McNesby, and throw Helen Gim on there, too. You know? I don't even know who Helen Gim would that be is. The least pop- would that be the least popular parade <laughs> float it, of all? It would be Krasner first, so everyone could throw beers. Then it would be the chicken man, so everyone could just calm down and 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 regroup and everything and 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 root on. And then here comes Mayor uh, Kenny, yeah. Mayor Kenny, and then more beers just start fucking coming. Like, I mean, I in Philadelphia, it. when you throw beers, like that's a sign of respect yeah. for parades. I just want everybody to know too that we do not crossing broad is not a political entity. We do not. Have no, we hate everybody. Side. we hate everybody equally. Yeah. So, <laughs> Ted Cruz, if they had a. Who's the one Democrat down there in Texas? Uh, Beto. Beto. Yeah, if Beto was on the, the on the military vehicle, we'd be saying the same shit about him. So I just want people to know that we do not endorse any douchebag party over the other douchebag party. So, so the guy who the guy who threw it, Craig, if you can pull it up, I just put it in the chat. The guy who who threw it, I, I think he might be pay, playing uh, point guard for for Villanova at one point. Or he's, at least he might have some eligibility. Yeah. Are you he's pumped for the Kyle Neptune era? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so pumped for the Kyle Neptune era. After yeah. on Friday, they come yeah. to the jungle. So the guy who threw the can was Joseph <laughs> Haim Archie Diacono. So he definitely has a has a scholarship to play point guard at Villanova. Yeah. Uh, yeah. See his eligibility. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because that, Arch, that Archie Diacono clan just will not fucking die. And now it's yeah. like, and now I know it's like Colin Gillespie's brothers like point guard. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, what I know. Are we it's just like, it's uh yeah, it's a pipeline. It's a family pipeline into the Did Mike Nardi have no brothers. Like that was the original <laughs> white point guard of Villanova. Um, Mike, Mike Nardi. Yo, if, if uh, Powerball is up to 2.3 billion, what are you doing with it? If you win, you buying the union. What am I doing? If I win, not this show anymore. That's well, that, that hurts. <laughs> If I want a billion dollars. That was mean. I didn't, that came if off. If I took the lump sum and want a billion dollars, guess where I'd be on Thursday? I'd be right here at noon. Right yeah. here from noon to one. On next Tuesday? Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe yeah. not. But I'd be here from 12 to noon on Thursday. Or 12 yeah, I'll to tell one. you what, if I, won the, if I won the Powerball, nobody would know about it because I don't want to get like, you know, everybody I, you know would start hitting you up. You know? I don't know. I think you might have to declare. I think you have to declare in, in PA. Look that up, oh. Craig. Do we have to declare in PA? Do, or can we remain anonymous? Um, so here's, here's actually an interesting story here, Pagan. Did you see this? Go ahead. Preston and Steve trashed Neptune today because he's <laughs> doing a charity Papa shot. It's gonna be a I big like story. It. We got to get the maestro on this. We have to ask the maestro. You know who would? You know who would probably do it? And he probably wasn't asked. Aaron McKee. Aaron McKee. Yeah. Aaron McKee would do it. He see, would lose Temple, to Temple Wagner, is, but he would do it. Temple is not a snooty elite. You know, program Temple is the people's program. It really is. It's it's also a uh, Philly school, so right, it's not yeah. blue collar. It's uh, blue collar yeah. tough. That's right. That's right. <sighs> Craig, we can't read that. I can read it from here. I got good vision. Winners of the Pennsylvania lottery must fill out a claim form to receive their prizes. This claim form requires all lottery winners to reveal their identities. 
The Pennsylvania Lottery Commission reveals at least some identifying information about lottery winners to the public. That is fucked up, man. Like, what if somebody, what if you declare, because you legally have to declare, and then somebody comes and, like, beats the shit out of you, and then they take half your money? Don't play the Powerwall, then. Well, I guess, you know. Risk risk and reward, baby. Cause and effect. Versus reward. That's fair. Yeah, all is fair. It's a very libertarian concept of you while we're on election day here, you know, like you, all you, you, is you, fair. Personal, love personal powerful. responsibility here, you know. Yeah, you have to uh play at your own risk or whatever. I uh vote down the street at this little elementary school. It's funny because I was first eligible to vote in college. They never sent me an absentee ballot. Maybe that's why I hate all politicians because I got screwed out of my first election day ever. But my second one was in Georgia, and all the mega churches down there are the polling places. They're like massive. They're like the biggest buildings in the South is the churches, you know? So, like, I voted in a mega, like a Joel Osteen mega church for like the first four years. I guess I was down there for two elections or something. Now I vote in this little elementary school up the street. I used to, it used to be at the Fishtown Rec Center. I used to have to wait in line at the Fishtown Rec Center. You know, like wrapped around the door, you know, Fishtown Rec Center, which hasn't been updated since like 1913, perhaps, you know, I look forward to doing that in 2024. Yeah. Well, we got to get you registered, man. Yeah. Yeah. We got to get Pagan update his, his registration here. You know, what did um, what did you think of the whole Frank Reich situation? And the funny thing is, the story's taken on a life of its own because it's not even about the Frank Reich situation anymore. Now it's about Jeff fucking Saturday going three and seven in his last uh, year of high school football. And now he's the interim coach uh, for the Colts. This is this is kind of like Nick Sirianni losing his job and then bringing Jason Kelsey out of retirement like a couple years down the road. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be like it'd be like it'd be like replacing Nick Sirianni with Ike Reese. Yeah, yeah. Nick, Jason, Nick Reese had uh, he he led Medford Catholic to a three and seven record two years ago. But (laughs) man, he's been a beacon of hope, and he's in our ring of honor. And you know, we really want to we really want to ask him to take over the reins. So now they have nobody that's ever never called plays on that team. They have, I think it's like four days to get prepared for the Oakland Raiders, and it's Jeff fucking saturday that is going to be leading the colts in in a couple weeks when they play when they play the birds you know you know what's standing between the eagles and 10 and 0 right now taylor heineke riverboat ron sam ellinger and a guy who was on espn last week breaking down like pancake film you know not like (laughs) that's like baldy not the breakfast food but like the offensive lineman move yeah you know what i mean so uh, let's just pencil the Eagles in for 10 and 0 right now. Um, they're not going to lose to Jeff, Jeff Saturday. Yeah. Did you watch any of that press conference? They're yeah. Well, press I know that they're, uh, Holy shit. They're in the top quartile of all the quartiles of the most upper fourth quartile, according to, uh, Jim Irsay yeah. since 2000. Yeah. That's why, uh, you know, when I did the math, that's pretty elite company, right? It's like the movie inception. There's layers upon layers, you know, maybe Jim Irsay was doing that or he was, smoking crack cocaine um, at the same same time allegations of that not me i'm just saying what other people are saying but here's the funny thing <clears throat> everybody loved that john d filippo and frank reich take back yeah. in the day. like well they were the ones who really won the super bowl doug was what do they think doug was doing by the way like sleeping in the corner of the of the qb room like just not not showing up to work what did they think doug peterson was doing that whole year nothing anyway the problem with that, the Reich and D. Filippo take is that all the evidence that you had to suggest that they were really responsible for that was all anecdotal. 
you know, it was like people saying this or Nick Foles talking highly about Frank Reich or somebody talking about how involved DiFilippo was with Carson Wentz. But there was never any – we couldn't really quantify it properly because Frank Reich didn't call the plays. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Doug didn't call the plays. So we had no way of like parsing anecdotal evidence to say he was responsible for 30% of their success and Doug was responsible for 32% of their success. Like it just didn't – it wasn't that the take – was wrong was right or wrong it's just it was ultimately unprovable you know and then if you look at if you want to go back to frank reich's colts tenure and say well he failed there so obviously the that take is null and void now no i mean that's not the case at all they they he had like five different starting quarterbacks over there you know they lost sirianni right i mean so and there was just constant turnover with what they were doing so i can't i don't know it's just it's hard for me to Oh no, Joe got the freezing cold takes treatment. Freezing yeah, cold they, takes got Fritz too. They got Fritz yesterday also. Yeah, the uh the freezing cold takes has has had a uh a vendetta against the WIP guys. Joe Gillios was forget Doug Peterson versus Frank Wright. This is probably the most this is way more egregious than uh than uh <laughs> Fritz's. Um forget Doug Peterson versus Frank Reich. I wish the Eagles could swap Harry Rosen for Chris Boward. And that's not I mean, I say it's egregious, but it's not really egregious because everybody thought the same thing two years ago. So yeah. like Everyone would have like actually agreed with this one for for Joe Giglio, but then there was the uh, Jack Fritz one. Um, I think Craig can bring that up. Chris Ballard's a pretty damn good GM, though. I mean, I, everybody was down like, like, every, well, like that 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 was the big thing. He he's yeah. the um, who's the Chargers coach? Um, Staley. Yeah, he's Brandon the Brandon Staley? Staley of GM for NFL writers. Oh, like NFL how, writers like love Brandon Staley. Yeah. NFL writers love Chris Bauer. This was Jack Fritz's Frank Wright, the one that got away. Um, uh, this take did have – well, here's the thing. It had legs. Yeah, because, I mean, they were such shit with Doug and Howie for that year and a half or two years or whatever. Like, I get it, but, but – Remember, yeah. Doug also fought for Frank Wright to stay. Like, they wanted to fire Frank Wright after the first year. I think they wanted to replace him with uh, Wentz's boy. You're talking um, about 2016? Yeah, they wanted to fire yeah. Frank Reich after one season, and, and Doug stood up for him. And then that's also ultimately what led to the, the demise of uh, John D. Filippo or Press Taylor, or one of them. I know he stood up for those other guys, but he fired somebody. Yeah, Press he, Press Taylor and Mike Mike Grow. Or, Mike Grow, that's what we wanted. Yeah. He wanted to keep Mike Grow on, and yeah. and they were like, no, and and he was pretty pissed off. Mike Grow, by the way, the the single worst quote of the Philadelphia Eagle of anybody on the Philadelphia Eagles for the last 10 years. And Shane Steichen is included in that. Like the offensive coordinators for the Eagles say absolutely nothing. Uh, they may as well not. I love that the Eagles send us the transcripts. I appreciate that for yeah. sure. But like the Shane Steichen thing, I don't, I think I've used like maybe three of his quotes in two years because he just never says anything interesting. But you know, what's funny about a pagan is you go back to 2016 and like, the Eagles started three and zero, and then they finished what, like seven and nine, right? Well, I mean, like Reich was part of that, so like, who who's responsible for them being shitty that year? So Reich also I, called Reich also called Doug. He said Doug had one of the best Super Bowl play calling games of all time, and obviously yeah. that was a little bit Nick Foles with the Philly Philly and, and everything. But like, he Philly he's Philly like, was just one play in a, in a in a an amazing offensive effort though too. Like yeah. everybody hangs on that shit, and they're like, "Well, Nick Foles technically called it," and yeah, but but Doug like went with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the coach. He could have said, "No, nah, we're not doing that." You know, <laughs> you gotta, yeah, no, fuck you. We're we're gonna run it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, but again, like those things are such. There's so much stuff in the NFL pagans that's like anecdotal that you can never put any kind of quantifying number on. You can't you can't turn it into data, you know. And so it's like 
people love we love these these narratives and these takes and these ideas in Philadelphia and they take on a life of their own but there's just never like the empirical side of it that you that you require to prove it true or false you know because a lot of people want to come back and say well I told you so but it's like you can't maybe but I don't know because you because it's not that it's a bad argument it's just it's something that you're never going to be able to prove Nick Sirianni wins Super Bowl this year and let's say he has the same career as as Doug Peterson. He's out in two years and say Shane Steichen gets poached somewhere. It'll be the same exact conversation because Nick mm-hmm. obviously gave uh, Shane uh, play calling duties this year. And yeah. he's kind of just like a glorified cheerleader in a way. Um, not And that, that, that's, yeah. that's more mean than I, I really lead on to, to mean. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's a pep talk guy. Like he, he's great at giving pep talks. He's great at building a culture. He's yeah. great at like getting guys to buy in and stuff. But if he wins a Super Bowl, has the same career as Doug, gets fired in two years, and Shane Steichen gets poached, yeah, people are gonna be like, "Well, Shane Steichen called the plays; he was the architect." So now you got to think: yeah. Is Doug like if we're doing the power rankings? Frank Wright, Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson's number one on the architect, right? Frank Wright's got to be number two. The number two architect. You know, I'll give you another like example of that too. Then people would say, "Well, Jalen Hurts, you know, finally had his second year in a row with the same you know offensive staff or whatever." I mean, it's a good take, but you can, it's it's never like anything that you can attach a number to, right? You know what I mean? Like you can't you can't turn it into a data set that can be parsed, right? Okay, so you know his this his him working with the same offensive staff two years in a row is worth X amount of points on this like scale that we come up with. Nobody fucking knows. Like we're just talking about ideas that like have validity to them, but there's never any way to to logically like quantify it and then weaponize it in an argument. It, it's you good. Know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it goes the same way as Jalen Hurts at Alabama was thrown to Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, and Jerry Judy, and he was throwing to uh, Jalen Rager last year, and now he's throwing to AJ Brown. Like, yeah, sometimes even, even in Oklahoma, man, he had he had CD Lamb and Charleston Rambo. Yeah. So it's like, so what? So how do you? Right. I don't. I, I don't know. It's it's all. It's there's so many. This is why Bob and I abuse the hell out of the like more than one thing can be true take because oftentimes like. There's never anything that's just one simple explainer. Like people have good takes, yeah. but you can never come back and say, like, I told you so, because there's just there's nothing. It can't be like, like uh, translated into a language that that speaks in absolutes. You know, it's always just like it's just thoughts, you know, but I mean, they're good thoughts. But that was the Reich and Filippo thing in a nutshell, because like. Russ, Russ used to talk about it all the time. He's like, Reich and DeFilippo, Reich and DeFilippo. I'm like, you don't fuck it. Were you, were you sitting in the quarterback room? Like, were you sitting in the offensive game planning room when they were coming up with the Super Bowl game plan? Like, unless you were, like, you can't you can't speak to that topic with, like, the utmost authority, you know? So, I, I, I got uh, I got nothing else on this if you don't. I, I want to talk about something for the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, what do you think Keith Pompey will break in the next week after uh, he wrote a very glowing article about uh, why <laughs> – Doc Rivers is not the reason you should he should be the fall yeah. guy. Yeah. And then um, Kyle Kyle Newbeck came out three uh like three hours later and just torched torched it without I, without mentioning Keith. I know, yeah, it was a little bit that was interesting. Keith, I think Keith and Kyle are gonna have to uh have to throw down here. I think that's the only <laughs> So are they are they the undercard of the Apodi Gelb Marcus Hayes match or are they oh, the yeah. main event now? Well, we had a whole uh, UFC card written down somewhere. I'm sure I can find that tweet. I yeah, think we're gonna have the girls. We're gonna have the girls in the Xfinity Live bathroom after the combined no hitter. Okay, a Pody and Gelb. And then we're gonna have a Pody and Gelb and Marcus yeah. Hayes in a handicap match. Uh, a Pody and 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 Marcus Hayes versus Gelb. 
Um, I don't think you can say handicap anymore. I think you have to say disabled. Is that the right term? I know. I mean, they can't say disabled listening to MLB. So I think we have to say oh. uh, injured. We'll, saw, we'll call it an injured. Uh, a, fatal, <laughs> a triple threat. Triple, a triple threat, threat match. match. There you go. <laughs> well, no, that doesn't make sense anyway. A fatal three-way? I don't know. Am I allowed to say fatal? Um, <laughs> and then we have, we'll have Kyle Newbeck and we'll have yeah. Keith Pompey. Yeah. Uh, in, they'll be the one that's still shown on ESPN. Yeah. Uh, not on ESPN Plus. Because I, do, I don't think. The undercard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I, I, see, I don't think yeah. that'll really get as much eyeballs because I, I just don't think yeah. it'll bring the fireworks. No. And I think the first match of the pay per view should be Howard Eskin versus Technology. Right. I could it be a slobber knocker. It should be Howard trying to send a tweet. That'll Without any. Yeah, without it. Well, that now, that he's, now, now that Musk uh, introduced the edit button, I mean, that's. Yeah. yeah. That's hey, how, how about the King? How about the King going into the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame? Not bad. Who cares? Um, the nitwit always, wing. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll bring this we'll bring this back to the uh, election and whatnot. Yeah, let's um, get it back to politics on here. I always think I, I've had this take for a couple years now. I think every team should have to have one right-wing beat reporter. <laughs> okay, I'm listening. I think, because yeah. I, I think if you would if you would poll a lot of their beat reporters, it seems that they may skew uh, a little left or right in the center, center left and everything. There's yeah. no really, like, could you imagine during the whole vaccination stuff, if there was just one guy yeah. from, like, from, uh, from, I don't know what's what's uh, Breitbart from Breitbart who was covering yeah. the Eagles and was just yeah. like why it's their their body their choice. I just think a right ring reporter for the Philadelphia Eagles would just throw so much fire into yeah. an already exciting uh, beat reporter uh, locker room for lack of a better word. That I think every I think every Philadelphia team should have a right wing guy. Just they really do exist. <clears throat> they do exist. They're rare. There are conservative Republican beat writers. You just don't know about it. Because mm. they don't they don't tweet because they're in the minority, you know. So when everybody was doing the Trump, when you know most of the sports writers were just shitting on Trump every day for four years straight or whatever, there were a lot of people who, not a lot, I'd say that like the skew in Philly sports media is probably like eighty percent of the writers are mostly like liberal Democrat, you know, moderate Democrat, whatever. And it's like twenty percent. There are John Boricks out there. Yeah. John Borks. Yeah, I don't there know. Who that John is. Yeah, there are. You just don't hear about it because they don't because they like keep their thoughts to themselves because it's unpopular, you know, especially in the world in the world of media, you know. But it um, would just be hilarious if someone came out and was like, you know what, Matisse Thibault didn't get the shot because you know why? It's yeah. his body, his choice. Or, yeah, or someone you. Yeah. So when no one was reporting on the Lane Johnson stuff last year, it's like, well, this pussy needs to start playing, okay? Yeah. Mental health is a fake, fake yeah. figment of your imagination. Lane I Johnson think- is a pussy in my column, you know, right? Yeah, I, there's people who think that, man. I, yeah, but they should, right? I agree with it. If you think that, then put it out there, man. It would make it entertaining, you know? Is there a right-wing Philly sports blog? Well, Boric left NBC Sports. Oh, Crossing Broad, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're also libtards, too, Kinkhead. Oh, uh, you're right. Okay. You're a libtard. So sometimes we're libtards, and sometimes we're the proud boys, that, you know. <laughs> changes day to day depending depending on what the facebook commenters feel how they feel you know so um i just think it'd really spice it up i think it would really throw a wrench into the whole situation you see guys more would, there'd yeah. be more fights yeah. on twitter there'd be more f- stuff i mean it helps us yeah. too it'd be more stuff for us to write about like oh my god oh, yeah that'd be so well here's the funny thing man is that boric like just up and left and he started his own um conservative web media website you know 
Do you remember that? Were you with us? I don't know who this Bork guy is. John Bork used to be the Flyers guy at NBC Sports Philadelphia. Um, I think the thing where he announced his like conservative is conservatism. Why can't I say that word? Was when he came out and said his son, like his kids, had to wear like pink uniforms or some shit like that. Um, and then people were like, "Well, who cares? Pink, you know, whatever, right? You know, like you can't wear pink because you're a pussy, right?" So dying on a hill of pink uniforms. Yeah, but that was like his entry point. It's like, oh, he's like a Republican. All right, all right whatever. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. But, um, you know, he got laid off or he got let go or whatever by NBC Sports Philadelphia. I don't know if any of that had to do with his politics or, but he started a website called Jock Smack. Where it was like he branded it, it's like the intersection of sports and politics. And there was a lot of conservative politics. It's like, you know, Colin Kaepernick's a dickhead and Megan Rapino sucks for kneeling or you know, like stuff. Yeah, it was focused on that kind of, it was like outkick, like it was yeah. like early days outkick. Outkick for outkick for Philly sports. Jock smack sounds like a really bad like Finnish metal band. Jock, jock smack uh, yeah that sounds like a sounds like a rap rock like i uh, had to i had to use a gender neutral bathroom at my township baseball yeah. game yeah this is it i remember writing about this stuff it was actually very interesting because it was like i never had like jock kind of delved into this yeah he, it was called sports and it was a sports and politics around uh f- yeah i hey click on that can we click on that yeah can we can we find a let's see jocksmack.com yeah. Let's Pretty see where it takes one. us. Yeah. 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 We'll have to see. All right. Yeah, yeah. He had, like, he had like a nah. couple of writers and everything. And uh, now nah, the GoDaddy's coming up right now. The domain is available. So if we want to buy the domain, we'll sell it back to John Borg for 25 cents. There are more. Actually, there are more guys who um, probably like in, on the radio and TV side who probably are conservative. I think like the writers uh, like lean more into like the. How do I explain this? The writers lean into like the journalism and like the romanticizing of the discipline and like sports writing is so important or whatever. And they they tend to lean like liberal because they have this like, I don't know how to ex- explain. It's like this, like this, like liberal arts, English language, like, you know, f- you know, left lean. It's a, they all kind of fall into the same thing. I think like, like, you know, yeah, Tony and some of the other guys, like they come from a different background. They're not, they're not the same. It's not, it's not beat writing. You know what I mean? Tony like maybe like took a right turn and then he like literally went off the highway, like yeah. the highway, like left. Yeah. Yeah. He, he got off at 95. He was going it's straight very, on 95 going around. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting though. It's actually a really good topic because right. I mean like when athletes got really outspoken about this shit during the Trump era, like most of the reporters probably agreed with them. Mm-hmm. And most of those reporters are probably like shitting on Trump nonstop anyway. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, I mean, the ones like that come the, to my mind are like, I remember Bowen going after Trump all the time. Kemsky went after Trump all the time, never yeah, had a problem. Yeah. Those are probably the two ones I can remember. I know Newbeck used to yeah. say what he's got to say and stuff. But Derek would tweet something every so yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, definitely the, uh, yeah. the the Sixers guys do lean left. I think if we threw a nice little right winger from Bro- from Breitbart reporting on the on the Sixers, I think it would muck it up a lot. Yeah, for team. like a, yeah. yeah and yeah, we yeah, need like that man. because this team fucking sucks. They're, what, five and six right now? Big yeah. win. Last night, um, call up, yeah, uh, some, call, up Steve, call up Steve Bannon and ask him if he's got somebody who can do the Sixers beat. You know, throw throw him right in the middle. That yeah. Well, in basketball too, like NBA culture leans left in general too. Yeah, you know, I think it's get, probably the most liberal of the sports. You know? Can we get Bruno a credential for the Sixers? <laughs> Ironically, that was the last time I saw Tony was at a Sixers game a couple of years ago before he moved to Florida. He moved to Florida. 
couple months ago or whatever. Ironically, Tony moved down to the spot where our uh, where my family has a place down there. So uh, I'll have to flag down. I'll have to catch up with Bruno while I'm down there. What up, Bruno? What up, Maze? What up? What up, Eunice's? You got anything else? Nah, man. I'm gonna get some lunch. I'm gonna go vote. I like no. this. I think we I think we intersected politics and sports very well. So we your time your days are numbered, like, John Bork. Yeah, very fair. That was very fair, man. We didn't we don't lean one way or another. If we can be fair and balanced, then everybody else should be able to, you know. So, yeah. so I, I said it. Anyone out there, send us a, a right-wing uh, beat reporter you think would be great, and we'll get him a credential for Crossing Broadcast. Yeah. But he won't be on a Crossing Broad. Like, we can't, yeah. like, you know how, like, sometimes we can't, like, promote uh, alcohol events and stuff because, like, legal and shit? We'll get him, like, uh, some some fake company. Yeah. Um, it was not a rust take. I'll tell you. Oh, this is, yeah, this is good. Go ahead. No, I, it wasn't even my take. I I was asking questions about whether a joint union in Philly's parade, which is not going to happen, of course, would have made sense. <laughs> I said logistically it makes sense because they're not going to like you're going to pay a bunch of cops and security and all these people like overtime to do two different things. Mm -hmm. So put the union in there with the Phillies, give the union two buses at the front, let them speak before the Phillies speak. And who gives a shit? It's a big celebration. You know, people seem to be like offended by the thought that yeah. you would combine the parades, which are never going to happen. This is going to be a boring conversation because me and Kevin were the only ones who actually agreed on this. Um, but my point of it was have have the union come first wait 15 20 minutes and then have the phillies parade like yeah. have the quote-unquote real parade like people would make fun of it you know people would make fun of it be like oh there's the union some people would be there It'd be about like i don't know five thousand union people there and stuff but it's like i think you're 100 right why would you shut down the city twice people would be like well you do it out in chester it's like they're not doing it out in chester they don't have the infrastructure no. to do it out in chester no. they did it they'll they'll do it at city hall and stuff so like you, you're 100 right. Why use the taxpayer dollars to throw two different parades when you could just do, hey, here's 15 minutes of of the the union. All right, they're gone. Now comes the real parade with the Phillies. Nobody would give a fuck because first of all, people would be 10 beers deep. They'd be cheering just as loud. Uh, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Nobody, nobody would be mad. Like if you're mad, like oh well, you're including the union in a fucking mythical. Phillies parade that's disrespectful to the Phillies. You're like in a celebratory mood, man. You're probably drunk as shit already. Like, what do you what can you possibly be mad about? You know, like that was my thing about it. It's like, oh, God forbid the soccer team like corrupts the sanctity of the Phillies parade or whatever. Dude, if you're going down there in any other mindset other than like having fun and getting drunk as shit, then what are you what are you doing down there in the first place? You know, so this is true right here. Not worse than LeBron wanting an LA combined parade 18 months after the Lakers won a game total. That you're 100 percent right. That was a that was a, an act of God that coronavirus happened and they didn't have a parade. Sorry, you didn't have yeah. a parade. But 18 months later, after they've already crowned another champion in the NBA. Yeah. Sorry, you can't combine the Dodgers and, uh, and, yeah. and the Lakers parade. That's yeah, just weird. Yeah. Uh, but it'll never happen so whatever you know you never know you never know Kev. maybe next year you know be, stop being negadelphia be positelphia all right well i'm gonna go vote for the lesser of two evils and uh you know get some food you know yeah bumpy jonas this is this is this is exactly what i had sorry to keep you here but this is no. exactly what i had they would be like an opening band yeah I went to see a Post Malone concert the other day. Sure. Roddy Rich came out. People love Roddy Rich. People came for Roddy Rich and not Post yeah. Malone. Fucking hey, man. You know, yeah. I don't see why. I don't see what's so bad about that. You know? No, I love By it. By the way, if they, if they didn't, if it was just, if the union got it done on Saturday and the Phillies, what happened with the Phillies happened, they probably would just do like a gathering at City Hall. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They probably just do a central location. It would look like it, what it looked like when the team was announced. 
where they had a you know a couple thousand people gather down there or whatever. I, I think they'd have a pretty good turnout for something like that. But no, you would you wouldn't do a parade. There would be no union. No, parade. no one's lining. No one's taking off on a Wednesday to go to the union. Well, no, not enough people to fill the city of Philadelphia. No, you may be able to do. I see here. This is what I'm interested in. Like you know, Villanova did like what like five or six blocks. Yeah, went down to Market Street to City Hall. I think I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the Villanova fan base looks like compared to the Union fan base. But if if you, that's it, would be cut from that mold somehow. It would be like a small, like on location thing. I don't know. Maybe they maybe they do a circle around friggin' Dilworth or something. I, I don't. Yeah. Know. No, no. No sense that a Philly that a, a school outside twenty minutes outside of Philadelphia was doing a parade in Philadelphia. But I digress. We'll see you Friday, Temple. Kyle Neptune's done. Maybe he'll pop a shot with Preston and Steve. Yeah, I'm gonna go pull that audio so I can just eviscerate him. Uh, that's the uh, that's the broadcast. I'm Kyle. That's Kevin. Thank you to Craig in the background. Thank you to Bob Wankel for coming on. Uh, we will talk to you Thursday, and uh, 